All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm blessed to share the word of the Lord with you guys today. If you guys are taking notes, the name of the sermon today is Knowing Your Needs. Knowing Your Needs. And I consider naming the message Knowing Your, Na- Knowing Your Needs, especially regarding finding a spouse. But it just seemed too long. But if you guys want to put it up on podcast, I'm sure we'll get a lot more listens. They use that. And I am going to share a little bit of wisdom today uh, about finding a spouse for you guys uh, so you guys can pay attention. Pay attention. You won't know when I'm going to share it during the sermon, so listen to every word that I am sharing. Uh, I'm going to speak about your needs, and um, before I do that, though, I want to just give a brief background on how the human body, what we're made up of. Uh, I think you guys know that for God, he is three in one. That's why we call him the Trinity. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Okay, one God in three parts. Humans are the same way. Humans are made up of three parts. You have your body, you have your soul, and you have your spirit. Okay, your body is your physical body. It has its physical needs. Your soul is your psyche. Your mind, will, your emotions, and your spirit uh, was alive. Well, actually, it was dead from your birth. It was dead since Adam sent, because it's our spirit man that connects us with God. And this is why Scripture, if you read through the New Testament, you will continually see these words, you were dead in your sin. You were dead in your sin. You were dead in your transgressions. And we know that, hey, we were never dead at some point in our lives. We were physically alive. Our psyche was also alive, but what lasts for eternity, that spirit, was dead. Because of sin, it had been cut off from God. And so apart from our spirit man being alive, we're living only into our soul and our body. And so our needs are restricted to just our emotional needs and our physical needs. And this is why you get what you term soulish people or fleshly people. It's people just pursuing their own desires, going their own way. But it's when we accept Christ into our lives that our spirit man is woken up. And we become temples of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit comes down and connects with our spirit man. And then we're awakened to his will. We're awakened to his way. And I want you guys to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to have you guys flipping around. Uh, If you don't have your physical Bible, open up your smartphone. Download the Bible app and follow along. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. This is going to talk about how the soul and the body have to be renewed. They must be renewed so that they are in submission to the mind. What happens when you accept Christ is your spirit man wakes up, but your body and your soul are still used to living on their own. And so they still want their own selfish ways. They still want to just take care of themselves. But suddenly your spirit is hungering for something different. And what God says is you must submit your soul and your body to your spirit man so that they may be renewed. And this is what happens. Look what happens when we do this. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that is your soul, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
You see, what happens when our body is aligned with our spirit and our soul is also aligned with our spirit man, I'm not saying you kill them, but when they're aligned with our spirit man, that is when suddenly our soul, our mind, is able to comprehend and receive the things from heaven. The Holy Spirit within us is able to stir in our mind, and so our thoughts, our actions are in line with the kingdom. When that happens, we know who we truly are, who we're made to be, what we're supposed to be doing. So many, is trying, so many people are trying to find out, what is the will for my life? Why am I here? All right, Non-Christians, Christians alike are always asking, why am I here? What was I made for? It's as we submit our body and our soul to the Holy Spirit, then we're able to know who we truly are. And so the church is really good at emphasizing our need to submit the soul and the body to the spirit man. Okay, and you'll hear a lot of messages about this. And actually, it's been emphasized to the point that over the past 2,000 years of church history, the body and the soul have been extremely neglected. I preached about this before last November, uh, sharing about, I was teaching about sex. (laughs) And, (laughs) sorry, I had to laugh. And in church history, sex was viewed as impure and dirty. Okay, and the church viewed it as evil. Why? Because... It's a bodily action. And there's arousals of the mind and of the body, and they view that as dirty. It's temptation. We need to avoid this. And so the church actually began to outlaw sex more days out of the year than days that they allowed. Okay? And uh, if you study church history, the most holy of people, they would become nuns. They would become monks or priests, and they would give up sex uh, for their lives. So that's what was taught, avoid that. But then it also got to the point that some Christians would actually even mutilate themselves. They would whip themselves out of trying to submit their flesh, their body, to the Holy Spirit. Just out of saying, oh, my my flesh is evil, it's weak, therefore I must punish it and get myself fully submitted to the Spirit. I mean, we know that now is just ludicrous. But the truth is, we're still not all the way there to knowing the needs of our body. And it's true with the soul as well. Did you know that many Christians over the past thousands of years, they would take vows of silence to quiet their soul. And they would go live as monks in monasteries. And they wouldn't say anything. They would just read the Bible and pray silently. And they wouldn't even talk to those around them. Just Why? Because they didn't want to allow their soul a moment to even think. Because they were worried that they would suddenly turn into sin. Or think of something that that would bring temptation. You see, we know now that all these things are twisted. They're wrong, okay? What they were doing, they were actually acting out of fear. They were acting out of fear that if I have sexual desire, that I'm going to give in to sexual sin, and I'm going to become an impure person. They were acting out of fear that if I tend to the needs of my body, that I'll become a fleshly person. And then I won't be a spiritual person. They're living out of fear that if I just allow my mind to think and to to even talk to people, that sooner or later, jealousy or, or something wicked is going to overtake me. So I must destroy the body and destroy the soul so that I can live a completely spiritual life. But the truth is, is that these people were as about as much worth to God as the man who hid his talent all his life. And when the master asked him, what do you have for me? He just gave back his talent. You see, if we live in fear, our lives are wasted. Think about these monks who were so-called holy men. What acts of justice were they doing? How were they shining God's light in this world? 
They weren't. They were hiding in a monastery, hiding in dark chambers. They were living in fear. We are not led by fear. We're led by love. We are not led by fear. We're led by love. And what I'm going to talk about today are the needs of our body, the needs of our soul. I just felt God highlighting just a couple specific needs to share with the church today. And uh, I'm not the only one. No, don't worry. It's in Scripture. God talks about how he cares about our needs for our body and our soul. And let's actually open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 6. And let's look at what Jesus says to his disciples. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 31. Yeah, before we read this, uh, I want to emphasize that if you really want to get a whole view of God, full revelation of God, you have to know him as father. You have to know him as son. You have to know him as Holy Spirit. If you only know the Father, you're only going to know so much about God. If you only know him as Spirit, you're going to miss out so much of who he is. You need to get revelations of each. And in the same way, we have to take care of our body and our soul and our spirit if we truly desire to be whole. Otherwise, we're lacking, we're broken. We're not shining in the fullness that we're supposed to shine. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and 31. Uh, In this passage, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, they have been sent out to to different towns to proclaim the good news, to heal, to raise the dead, to do mighty miracles. They've done it. There's been victory. And now they've come back. And let's read verse 30 and 31. I'll read it for us. Chapter 6. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That is the word of God. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. What was Christ's concern for his apostles? You see, if he was just focused on the spiritual man and the spirituality around him, he would have said, wow, you guys have powerful testimonies. Look at what you've done in these different towns. Look at what you've done in this short-term missions. Now we got to carry on this momentum, and let's go to the big cities. Let's go to the big cities. Let's keep going. I'm only here three years. Let's go. <laughs> Think about it. Jesus didn't have a 10-year commitment. All right, He didn't have 10 years to get everything figured out. He had three years. But still, he was concerned about his disciples. And he said, look, you guys have done a good job, but let's get away to a lonely place and sleep. Let's get away and rest. Not just rest your body, rest your soul. Now that's the New Testament. Let's flip back to Jeremiah chapter 31. Let's see it in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah is after Isaiah, which is somewhat after Psalms. You guys can find it. Jeremiah 31. It's a beautiful passage. It's a prophecy of God's plans for his people. Jeremiah 31, I'm going to read verses 25 and 26. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, ESV. It says this, Jeremiah 25, 26, Jeremiah 31, 25, 26, For I will satisfy the weary soul. Every languishing soul I will replenish. At this I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. I memorized that verse. 
At this I awoke and looked around. My sleep had been pleasant to me. That's the NIV. That's a good verse to claim, right? Notice here, was what was God promising to satisfy? It wasn't our spirit, man. It's our soul. God wants to satisfy our soul. And we can also see that as he satisfies our soul, he's also concerned about our bodies. Did Jeremiah awake just like, oh, I got to get moving. I got to proclaim the word of God. No, he woke up with sweet sleep, with rest. His body was strengthened. God is concerned about our body. He's concerned about our soul. He wants us to be whole, completely whole. And so how do you take care of the needs of the body, the soul, and the spirit? I'm going to briefly share about the spirit. I'm going to focus on the body and the soul. How do you care for the needs of your spirit? I think Sunday school answers. You guys should know these things. You read your Bible. Okay? You get to know the Word of God. You pray. You communicate with the Lord. You let your spirit communicate with the Holy Spirit, with God. You pray. You talk to Him. You come to church. You hear the Word of God preached. You worship Him. You praise Him. You proclaim His name. Even just fellowshipping and hearing testimonies, these feed our spirit. These strengthen our spirit man. If you guys are not reading the word, you will, your spirit man will be weak and, and pitiful. All right? I'm being honest. Pitiful. But if you read the word of God, you will be strengthened to the point that no temptation will seize you. You will be strong in all things. So many people were afraid about the body and the soul because... They were concerned that any temptation that came against them, that they would fall. But Scripture, if you actually read the Word of God, it says that no weapon forged against you will prosper. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. Scripture says you're more than a conqueror. You are not to fear anything. You are untouchable from the enemy. If you know your identity in God, if you read the Word of the Lord, you'll be strengthened to the point where you're not fearing all these things, the body and of the soul. You're above it. Your spirit, man, is strong. You guys need to be in the Word of God. But let's focus on the body and the soul today. How do we take care of our body? Once again, this is easy. Go to biology class, whatever. We need to eat well. We need to sleep well. We need to take care of our hygiene. Please shower everyone. We need to exercise. Okay, this is just basic ways of taking care of our body. But I'll be honest, a lot of Christians are still hindered by the previous thoughts of the church, the early church. Uh, Neglect your body. Just neglect it. It's not eternal. It's wasting away. Focus on the spirit. Focus on the things of God. Get out there. Go, go, go. Don't worry about that pain. You're only going to live once. Okay, that's the focus that the church tends to emphasize, whether knowingly or unknowingly. But let's, let's look in the scripture how God emphasizes. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I told you guys you'd be looking at a lot of scripture. I want you guys to flip around. I want you guys to see this with your eyes. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's in the New Testament after Acts, after Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And this scripture is also repeated in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17. Let's read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In your body. Glorify God in your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys know, knew it, but in the Old Testament, there was a physical temple. It was a building. Okay? And they made it ornate. It was beautiful. 
It had gold in it. Okay, and it was there that the presence of God uh, was, was kept. The Ark of the Covenant was there, and the presence of God rested in that building. But when Jesus died and rose again, he tore that veil that was in that temple to open up so that we might receive him in our hearts. So it's no longer a physical temple, uh, a, a building, but it's physical temples in us. His spirit lives within us. The presence of God is within us. And if you read the Old Testament, you will see chapter upon chapter about details of what God wanted the temple to be like, how nice it needed to be. Guess what? You are now that temple. You are now that special place. You are not meant to eat kimbap and pizza school every day. Receive this church. You are not meant to work nonstop and get no sleep. Okay? You are not meant to neglect the needs of your body. You are bought with a price. You are not your own. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Because if you don't know how to take care of yourself, marriage is not meant for you. I would not recommend for you to be married. <laughs> Ephesians five twenty eight through 30. Listen very carefully. You can look in it if you want. Ephesians five twenty eight through 30. In the same way, husbands should love their wives. How? As their own bodies. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. You nourish and cherish your body, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Is it talking about your soul, your spirit? No, it's talking about your physical body. Some people think that even though they're undisciplined in their own lives, and they don't take care of their bodies, they eat junk food all the time, they neglect, skip meals, they just don't sleep well, they don't clean up their house, they just do whatever, that when I get married, I'm going to be so in love with this person that it's all going to change. Okay, you're living in dreamland. All right, and it's going to become nightmare land if you actually get married in that position. We love because God first loved us. All right, you guys got to understand the love that we give, we have to receive first. Your body needs love. Your body needs to be taken care of. What happens when you don't eat? You get hungry. Your body starts saying, hello, I need food. Okay, your body will start to react in different ways. If you are put something heavy on your leg, after a while, your leg's going to hurt. And it's going to say, get this off me. Okay, your body is going to start crying out for help. People ignore it as much as they can. They try and satisfy themselves in other ways. But when you get married, people think, oh, I'm going to serve the other person in love. No, the truth is, is if you've been neglecting your body, you're going to suddenly look to them. Your body's going to say, hey, help me, okay, to your spouse. And suddenly it's on your spouse to take care of you because your body has been neglected. Does this say, love their wives as their own bodies. Husbands, love their wives as their own bodies. If we've neglected our body and been undisciplined with it, then how can we expect our body to be healthy and disciplined and loving someone else? If you can't be disciplined taking care of yourself, how can you expect to be disciplined and caring for someone else? Sooner or later, your body's cries are going to catch up. You're going to be demanding from someone else. You guys need to take care of yourselves. All right, now I want to make it clear, this doesn't mean that someone who's perfectly fit is going to be the best husband in the world. 
This is a command. It says, as you love your bodies, you should love your spouse. Okay? And if you see some people who are into, you know, working out in the gym and eating just vegetables and nuts and just like they're, you know, very detailed regimen, imagine if they put that care into their spouse, how loved their spouse would be. That's powerful. Imagine how healthy their spouse would be. <laughs> Not with the, the nuts and the vegetables, but in terms of the, the emotional love. Guys, we need to start with ourselves. We need to start with ourselves. Let me say that one more time. We need to start with ourselves. A friend of mine who was super spiritual, okay, he's mad spiritual, but he needed this message a long time ago. Uh, when his heart, he told me, when his heart started to get opened up towards a, a girl and he felt God ready him for marriage, he asked God, God, what do I do? And he's thinking, like, pray more, fast. And God said, uh, let me read this. God said, clean your home, learn to enjoy things, and get into shape. <laughs> this guy's prophetic, all right? He hears the voice of the Lord. And he was expecting something, like, crazy. And God says, clean your house. Okay, clean your house. What does he say? Learn to enjoy things and get into shape. Get into shape. All right, we don't want scrawny men, you know, for our sisters. We want guys who can at least take care of things in the house. Carry the heavy groceries, okay? We need to start with ourselves. If you really want to be good at loving other people, you need to get good at loving yourself. If you really want to get good at loving other people, you need to get good at loving yourself. I want to release grace in the church to eat healthy. And I'll be honest, I've needed these revelations. I've struggled with everything that I'm preaching about here in this message. As you, most of you guys know, I've been a missionary out here for six and a half years, and I neglected my body and my soul my first year. And I'll share a little bit more about that in a moment. But uh, one of the areas was also with food. And we always complain here in Korea, oh, fruit's so expensive. Fruit's so expensive. Forget fruit. I'm going to get me some ice cream, you know? That's... <laughs> That's the mindset here in Korea. But I'm here to tell you guys that 1,000 won or $1, 1,000 won for an orange or an apple, it might seem like a lot, but it's only a fifth of the 5,000 won, the $5 that you pay for your fried rice. It's only a seventh of what you pay for your fried pork, your donkas, okay? It's only a small fraction. And if you think about it, that apple is a lot more filling than just a fifth of your little fried rice. That orange is a lot more filling than that. Well, it's a lot better on you than that fried pork. Just think about it. Put it in perspective, guys. Don't be cheap with your body. Don't be cheap. It doesn't add up. Get some fruit in your body. Get some vegetables. Cook at home. Okay? Take care of your bodies. Hey, and I'll be honest. If you cut back just a little on the coffee and the junk food, you're going to have more than enough money to buy the fruit, to take care of yourself. An apple costs a dollar. Come on. You guys pay like three, four, five for a cup of coffee or for a scoop of ice cream at Baskin Robbins. Get yourself some fruit. All right, now before I move on to addressing the needs of the soul, I'm going to address one more area regarding the body, and that's sex. I know we got some young years here, but you guys need to hear this. Needs of your body. A lot of people say, oh, we, have, we are sexual beings, we have sexual needs. Okay, I want to say that that is not true. We have sexual desires. 
okay? Sexual desires, but they do not control us. They are not needs. You need to eat or you'll die. You do not need to have sex in order to live, okay? And I want to make it clear, guys, that your sexual appetite is, this, is very similar to your physical appetite. You know, the more that you eat, the more you're going to get hungry. The more often you eat, the more often you'll be hungry because you train your body to eat. My roommate back in college, he would eat one meal a day at midnight. And it would be a large pizza and buffalo wild wings and other stuff. This was a big guy. He worked out, but he also had a big belly. Okay, he would only eat one time a day. And you would think, looking at him, a huge guy, that he'd be hungry all throughout the day. But he had trained his body, I'm only eating at one time. Okay, and so he was only hungry at midnight every night. Not very healthy. Me, I eat three square meals a day. So I'm hungry in the morning. I'm hungry around 1 o'clock. I'm hungry once again around 6 o'clock. Okay, that's when I'm hungry. Why? Because that's when I've trained my body to eat. It's the same with your sexual appetite. Let me go into a little more detail. I'm going to share about fasting. And I share this often when I do healing deliverance sessions and people are are struggling with masturbation or pornography or things like that. They say, how do I get over this? And I'll share with them some truths about our bodies. Did you know that you can go on just water for 21 to 40 days? Just water. Okay, this is proven. You can actually go longer, but you'll start to enter starvation. What happens is if you just go on water, your first three days, you're going to be very hungry. Why? Because you've trained your body to be hungry. It's not that your body needs food. It's not that, you know, right now if someone's hungry, you really need food or you're going to die. No, you've just trained your body to be hungry around this air, uh, around this hour, or you've eaten, usually eat enough that if you don't eat that amount, your body says, I need food. That's not true. There's people in other countries that eat far less than we eat and they're not hungry at all. Their bodies have been trained. So our first three days, you feel actually a lot of pain. One, your hunger pains, but two, all the toxins and poison that built up in your stomach from all those french fries start to get cleaned out. That's why you have bad breath when you fast, because you haven't been eating well, okay? And it starts to get cleansed out. Day four, day five, you'll get very weak. Your body doesn't know what's going on. You'll be very tired. You need to rest. But day six, day seven, suddenly your body It shifts from asking for food in the stomach. You've cleansed out all the toxins. It's used up everything in here. Now it's going on the excess reserve. Yes, you do have fat in other parts of your body. Okay? And it starts to take from there. And you will actually get strong enough that you don't even feel like you're fasting. You're just a little weak. Maybe, you know, you need to rest a little bit more. But it's not this constant, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. You're fine. And it's at the 21st to 40th day, somewhere in there, that when the hunger pains come back, that means your body has used up the excess reserve. It's time to eat. You are now in starvation. No, you're not starving when you miss lunch. No, you're not starving when you fast in one day. Okay, 21 to 40 days. This is why Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert. It's physically proven. Many people have done it. Okay, Gandhi too. I've done extended fast many times, and I've found this to be very true. I played tennis on the 10th day of my water fast. Now, I wasn't running around, but I was swinging. I was fine, okay? And uh, I did really well on my tests. I I was shocked. But God will give you that grace, okay? It's basically that appetite gets shut down. Guess what? It's the same with your sexual appetite. 
It is the same with your sexual appetite. When you starve your sexual appetite, it's going to go nuts and crazy when you start to starve it. No, you don't need to satisfy yourself in order to survive. You are not controlled by it, just as you are not controlled by your stomach. Okay? You just have to starve it and endure some time of frustration, and then it goes dormant. And I can say this from my own life. I struggled with lust. I struggled with with these things in high school, and uh, I just was into it. And then I I started to read the scripture, started to go with God, and I just began disgusted with taking care of my sexual, quote-unquote, needs. And it got to the point where I said, God, I want this to end. This is it. And I stopped. Cold turkey. And those desires went away. They went away completely. It wasn't that I lost my quote-unquote sex drive. It's just it was dormant. You know the moment you break your fast, you're hungry again. And you're back on that same schedule as before. It's the same with your body and its sexual needs. When you awaken it, okay, when when you have your wedding day and you consummate the marriage bed, guess what? Your sex drive is going to start to wake up. Okay, so it doesn't mean if you've been a virgin and you've taken care of your body and you've kept pure that, oh, I'm not going to have any sex drive for the rest of my life. No, it's just been dormant. The sad thing is in our society, we have so much junk food around us in terms of advertisements and movies and porn on the Internet and all these things that we're taught that we're constantly smelling it, seeing it, hearing it, and our appetite keeps getting awakened. Well, I mean, if you're fasting, will you walk into a bakery? No, we know that's stupid, okay? You avoid those areas. Guys, if you've been feeding your sexual appetite, guess what? When you try and stop, it's going to scream. Why? Because you've built up those poisons inside you. Just like people eat unhealthy and the poisons are inside them and they're in so much pain when they go without food, it's going to be the same for you when you try and stop. But what you can know is Scripture says in James 4, 7, resist the devil, he will flee from you. It's not just your physical needs for sex. It's also the enemy trying to beat you down because the enemy loves it when, his, when the people of God are addicted to porn, addicted to masturbation, addicted to these things and not thinking there's a way out. There is always a way out. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except what has come to man. There's nothing that is too strong for you. God will always provide a way out. This is the truth. This is the word of God. It's been true in my life and so many other brothers. And sisters that I know, you are not to be controlled by anything but the Lord and the leading of his spirit. All right. So stop hanging out in places that are going to awaken that sexual appetite. If you are struggling in that area, stop watching the rated R movies that have nudity and sex in it. Start putting your computer away. Get a web program with your accountability partner or mentor or someone that you trust, and start fighting it. Go to war. Scripture says resist the devil. It doesn't say ignore the devil or just stand there. It says resist. Resist. Okay? That means that when you are starting to fight and to live in purity, there will be a resistance early on. There will be a fight. But as you pray, as you read the word, as you get accountability, as you walk with wisdom, not with foolishness, I guarantee you God will bless you and lift you up. All right, now I want to move on to the needs of the soul. How do we care for the needs of our soul? Our soul is nourished through companionship, encouragement, positive attention, 
I also want to say today that it is nourished by doing the things that our minds enjoy doing. Our soul is nourished when it's able to do the things that it enjoys doing. We live in a society where souls are starving. Souls are starving. Adults are working nonstop. Children are studying nonstop. And so what happens with these starved souls around us? Depression, that's the mind shutting down. Depression, suicide, sexual addiction, trying to find its needs elsewhere. Computer game addiction, once again, escapism, trying to get its mind to go elsewhere. Uh, Anxiety attacks, these are all just some of the symptoms of a soul that is broken. And oftentimes a person with a a neglected soul will try and focus their appetite or their needs on things that are unhealthy. A lot of people don't just struggle with masturbation because of a need of the body. It's a need of the soul. They've been orphaned. They've been rejected. They've been neglected. They feel lonely. And so rather than trying to engage their soul in healthy ways, they resort to unhealthy things. Drugs, alcohol. These are other reasons. People who are perfectly healthy usually don't think, hey, I think I want to start taking crack. (laughs) They, They don't. Think about it. If you're really healthy in your right mind... Your soul is, is, is uh, alert. You're not going to want to suddenly do LSD. Okay? You don't need it. You're healthy. But when you're wounded and you're lacking and you're empty inside, specifically in your soul, you're going to start to look to other ways to take care of your mind. And it's true. When you do drugs, you get on a trip, you get on a high where your mind feels great. Your soul is suddenly being fed, but it's being fed junk food. It's being fed just, uh, I'm not going to say it. Bad stuff. Well, almost slipped. For me, it wasn't going to be a curse word. It was just, uh, for me, I'm, I'm very much an introverted person, okay? And so I've learned the needs of my soul. For me, Sunday can be one of my hardest days. Because for me, the, the toughest environment is to put me at a wedding banquet with a ton of people standing around small talking. As an introvert, I will try and leave (laughs) or I will try and go to a corner and sit down and look at my iPhone. Okay. Why? Because all these people and all these conversations, it's overwhelming. I can't focus on one person. I feel compelled to start up a conversation. I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to escape. Okay. And I've learned that's, that's the worst place for me. Now, for some of you guys, that's the best place. That's where you just love to be the life of the party, to talk, but I've learned my needs are different. And so for me on Sundays, what do I do after I preach, especially when I preach two services or lead healing deliverance sessions in the morning, like today, and then, and then preach? I go home, and I lay down, and I turn on a movie, and I veg. Is that very spiritual? No, but it's exactly what I need. I don't need to go home and pray for two hours. Lord. Yeah, my spirit might be fed, but my soul is burned out. And if you get a soul that's burned out, what happens? Depression. Anxiety. You suddenly wonder why you don't really want to reach out to people anymore. I used to love to pray for people, but now I get annoyed when they come up to me. It's not them, it's you. Your soul is neglected. It needs to receive. It needs to be taken care of. 
When I first arrived at the orphanage in 2005, I very much had that old mindset of, I just have to take care of my spirit man, and that's it. I'm here to serve the children at this orphanage. And I lived in the home for three years, and my first year, I did just that. I was immersed, living with these kids who couldn't speak English. I couldn't speak Korean. So our communication wasn't that much. And our interactions were only so much. And then I'm an introverted person, so I'd spend time with my kids for two hours, and I'd be worn out for the day. Okay, because one, it's with a lot of people, and then two, I'm trying to understand the language. I'm not getting anything, and oh, I would get so worn out. But I would just pray and try and push it through. And I'm like, look, I'm here on a mission, and I need to just suck it up. And I know I'm only eating this, the food of the orphanage and, you know, kimbap and, and cheap, cheap Korean food, but I just got to suck it up. I've been called to be a missionary. I'm willing to give it all to you, God. You know, I'll do whatever. And I lived under that mindset that first year in 2006. And I'll tell you, my demeanor just got sadder and sadder. And, oh, I I was faithful in loving the kids. And I gave my best. But I wasn't a happy person. I wasn't just overflowing like, this is so great. Okay? I was neglecting the needs of my soul and the needs of my body. And God began to take care of me. Just little things. I could tell you so many stories of how God took care of me. I remember I just after eating children's home food for so long, I was really missing chips and salsa. I was dying for some chips and salsa. <laughs> and I was just like, God, I really want some chips and salsa. I didn't know anyone on base, and, and I, was, I was so introverted that at church, I started going to the church January 1st, 2006, but people didn't really know me till the end of the year because I would just you know, bolt after service. And... Uh, and so I didn't really have any friends that could show me around. Korea's changed a lot as well over the years. And uh, I remember going to the grocery store, and suddenly I noticed this little tiny foreign food section, and lo and behold, chips and salsa. So I said, thank you, Lord. I go home, I'm eating, I'm really enjoying it. And then being with the kids, it just reminded me of my days when I was younger and I played video games. Now, for the Lord and for discipline, I quit playing video games after high school. Okay, I realized I was playing too much in, in high school, and it's just, I got to stop. So I quit it. I just stopped playing video games. Even though I enjoyed it a lot, it was just like, I need to sacrifice this and, and you know, move on. Video games, how childish. And, uh, but then when I was playing with the kids, I was just thinking about playing Super Nintendo and Mario Kart. I'm like, man, it'd be so much fun if I, I could play this with these kids. And then like a week later, I get a call from someone that I barely even know, and they're, they're like, oh, I, I won this Xbox with four controllers and I don't really want it. You want it? Uh, I want you to have it with the kids. Okay. And uh, I get it. And I had so much fun playing with my kids. And it was just more bonding for me with the children. And then my kids at the home, they just love soccer. They love soccer. And I don't like soccer. I like basketball. And uh, I would try and get the kids to, I would bring out the basketball and they just look at it like, what? And, uh, and they would keep kicking the soccer ball. And so I just kind of gave it up in the name of Jesus, you know, no, no more basketball. And, but I missed it. I'm just being honest. I missed it. This isn't a spiritual thing, but it was something that my mind enjoyed. My soul enjoyed. And I remember I started just mentioning it to the Lord. Oh, man, I wish I, I could play basketball. Not, not like give me basketball, but it's just like, I wish. And then in 2007, the home asked me, hey, there's a tournament for basketball. Our kids don't know what they're doing, but we want them to play. Will you please coach the the kids? Since 2007, I've been coaching my kids every Tuesday night basketball. And it's gotten to the point that now, and it took a while, they've come around 
that after dinner every day we'll go out and shoot some hoops. I have so much fun with my kids. We're stupid soccer. I get to play basketball. And uh, my soul is nourished. I'm happy. Okay, I'm telling you guys, it affects the demeanor when you get to do things that you enjoy. And I know, oh, video games is childish. Oh, you know, doing those things, it seems, you know, just immature. But no, sometimes we need to be able to feed our soul to take care of those areas. I'm not saying become an addict. But what I am saying is if you starve your soul, you're going to crack at some point. And you might just turn into that addict. You might fall into that trap. We need to learn, just like with our body, we're not called to eat Big Macs every day, okay, to kill our bodies. That's stuff that we enjoy. We need to eat healthy. But now and then we do need to treat ourselves. We need to eat well, okay? Yes, everything and and just with understanding, okay, we got to take care of ourselves. But it's the same with our soul. And I've learned with my wife, Skye, She's very creative. I shared about this at Sunday Swim. Uh, I might have even shared it in a sermon. I don't know. But she's very creative. I'm not, so I don't understand. But, <laughs> but I'm learning to understand. And, uh, and when we got married, she had so much stuff going on in her life that her creative time uh, got narrowed down quite a bit. She used to work in graphic design, so she could at least do those things at her job. But then she became a teacher here in Korea, and she had to give up a lot of those things. And she found herself starting to shut down. And she would share with me, like, when, I, when I'm not doing creative things, I just don't feel like I'm myself. And I, I just I don't have direction in my life. And that is the truth for people who aren't taking care of the needs of their soul. You feel like you're aimless. You feel like you're not being yourself. You feel empty. And so I've learned it's not just my wife, Sky, It's all these creative people here in this house. You guys need outlets. You need outlets or else your soul is being neglected or else you're not being who God made you to be. God says, I will satisfy the needs of your soul. I will satisfy your soul. And so Pastor Marcus and I, we're still working on trying to figure out a way to get a group for creativity, to get you guys who are musically talented, artistically talented, talented in all sorts of different ways to come together and just release your gifts. Just be who you were made to be. We're not looking to advance New Philadelphia Church through this. We're not looking to change the world. We're just looking at taking care of your health, of blessing you guys. And I'll tell you, church, when you get into a place of rest, where you're taking care of the needs of your body, where you're taking care of the needs of your soul and your spirit, and you are enjoying life like you were meant to, walking with the Lord, that's when the truly creative things come out. That's when the beautiful things come out. That's when it just it overflows because God made us each, each and every one of us unique. There are unique things that we have to give to the world. If we just follow that cookie-cutter Christianity of just, i got to go to this prayer meeting, i got to go to a small group, and then i just got to do this and this and this, you're not being unique. You're just you're being, and, and we, we're taught, we're all soldiers, we're all warriors. We each got to do our part, but there is also uniqueness about us, and we need to allow that to come out. We need this creative group. And for some of you guys, you need to play the sports that you enjoy or you need to do the activities that will bless you. I'm not saying you need to do this every day. Your soul is not that hungry, but it does need to be cared for. If you neglect your soul, you're headed towards depression. God's far more interested in caring for our needs before using us to care for the needs of others. That's the truth. God's come that we might have life and have it to the full. Not that 
we might have life and share it with others, but that we might have life and have it to the full. He's far more interested in his sheep being brought in than sending his sheep out. He wants us to be whole and then send us out. Because if we go out wounded, we're going to create wounded disciples. We're going to teach a false image. So along with doing things that our minds enjoy doing, our souls also need positive attention. Our souls are always in need of personal attention and encouragement. When we're in healthy relationships and we receive what we need, we're able to pour out to others. But you guys know, when you meet someone who's been overworked for a week or two weeks and they haven't had anyone to talk to and you meet with them, guess who's talking? They're talking the whole time. Why? Because their soul has been so neglected and they finally found a way to open up that dam and just burst out everything. Okay? Their soul has been neglected. But if you're walking in healthy relationships, you don't need to talk with people for three hours every day. You just need some healthy attention, some positive attention. When you get that, you're able to give it to others. You're able to listen. You're able to bless them. But if you're not getting that positive attention, if you're not getting that encouragement, you're not going to want to give to others. You want to give to them or you just want want to avoid them. And that's for me as an introverted person. If I'm not carrying the needs of my soul, I want to avoid people. But when I'm walking in health, I love people. I love being with you guys. Okay. Don't worry. I'm healthy. All right. I'm doing good. Some of you guys are spending too much time giving other people attention and not taking care of the attention that you need. Some of you guys need to find people you can talk to, not just about church or about work. That's not what your soul needs. Okay, it's good to talk about church, about work, take care of those things, but you need something else. There's a reason why Pastor Marcus and I talk about sports. No, we're not pagans, okay? <laughs> we love the Lord. We are anointed men of God. But it's good for our soul to be able to talk about the NBA Finals about the NBA playoffs. It's good for us. We need that because if we're always just focused on ministry and go, 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 who are we? We're not taking care of our soul. We're just some mindless Christian. Okay, we need to be individualistic. We need to take care of each other. For the church, you guys need to get into community groups. It's not just about your spiritual growth. It's about the needs of your soul. If you try and get the needs of your soul with non-Christians... I can guarantee you they're not going to give you the healthy stuff that you need every time. You need attention through people who have the love of Christ. This is one of the reasons why during Sunday Swim I had people get into groups and just prophesy over each other. We need that now and then. We just need to bless each other now and then. All right, yeah, we have our needs for our lives. We have to be responsible and take care of these things. We're not to neglect the Word of God. We're not to neglect the church or our work or, or anything like that. But at the same time, we're especially not to neglect our soul. We need relationships. I want to make sure I cover that. Yeah, guys, if you put your needs, I also want to warn you guys, if you put your needs of your soul on just one person, they're not going to like you. (laughs) Okay? Just being honest. If you put all your needs on just one person... They're going, to get, they're going to get really tired of you. Tired of you pretty quick. Okay? You need to find different people to talk to. The community groups and the small groups, this is where you get positive attention, where you get positive love. 
Now, you should be finding the needs of your soul among the small group members, among the members of the community group. But for the encouragement that your soul and your spirit are crying out for, you need to look to your leaders. So reserve leaders, so, so members of small groups, when you need that attention or that personal encouragement, you talk to your small group leaders. And I want to tell the active leaders today, you guys have access to Pastor Marcus and me. Okay, everyone has an amount of access to us, but if we try and meet with every single person in this room, uh, we're gonna, our souls are going to be neglected and we're going to go nuts. Okay, we can't do that. That expectation can't be on us. But it works up in active leaders. If you are alone or if you're looking to reserve leaders or people who are younger than you to tend to those needs of encouragement and positive reinforcement, that's like a father looking to his son for encouragement so he can be confident. That's, that's unhealthy. That's out of order. You need to be looking to those above you. Okay? And we love you guys. We want to take care of you guys. Pastor Marks and I aren't the most discerning, sensitive guys out there, but we have hearts of gold. We have big hearts. And so if you just pull our sleeve or call us, I guarantee you we're going to open up. We're going to listen. We're going to share with you guys. We're going to bless you guys. You're not meant to be alone. The needs of your soul are important to God. It's important to us. If you guys are alone in this church, if you're not a member, you're just visiting, I want to encourage you guys, sign up for a community group. Tend to the needs of your soul. Tend to the needs of your heart. Take care of your body. Get into the family of God. We're here for a purpose. All right, last, I'm going to share some marriage advice. Finding a spouse, this has come up to me that this really needs to be clarified for the church. So listen well. I, I preached uh, in last November. I shared that it's good to make a list, okay, of, about your future spouse and to lift that up to God because God cares about your desires. God cares about what you want. But I want to tell you guys that I'm discovering that too many people are focusing on their wants rather than their needs, too many people are focusing on their wants rather than their needs. The title of the sermon was Knowing Your Needs. It wasn't Knowing Your Wants. If it was Knowing Your Wants, then I'd be saying, everyone, go eat pizza, go get ice cream, go do all these things that what your body wants you to do or your soul wants you to do. And you're not supposed to act upon those things all the time. If you do, your body's going to be unhealthy. You're not going to feel too good. You need to tend to the needs of the body, the needs of the soul. And this is the same in finding a spouse. When you make that list, it shouldn't be wants. It should be needs. Okay? The wants should go at the bottom. The needs should be at the top. Let me explain. Uh, there's a friend of mine that I know, and a lot of his friends, he has a lot of friends, but a lot of the girls that he's friends with are a little older than him. Okay, he's my age. They're a little older than him, and they're all nurturers. Notice this about his friends that are girls. They all have a similar attribute. They're nurturers. They look out for him. Okay, they take care of him. All right, they're almost kind of motherly to him, and he really appreciates it. He doesn't really know it, but this is what he's drawn to. This is really what his soul needs. But his problem is that what he really likes are these really young, cute, girly girls. They don't have a clue about nurturing him. That's what he really wants. Oh, this is the type of girl that, that I like, you know, young and, and cute in this way and likes to do these things. Like, get a clue. Right, this guy doesn't know what he needs. He only knows what he wants. 
But if he marries that little cute girly girl, he's going to get very frustrated because his body and his soul is going to be crying out for that nurturing. All right, he was made, he has these needs. All right, being the last born, he has these needs to be nurtured because that's the way he was raised. But if he gets this young girl, she's going to be looking to him to take care of her. And rather than having someone he respects and can confide in and talk to about heavy matters, he has someone that's just looking to him and expecting him to carry the burdens because he's the older guy, okay, because he's the more mature guy. That marriage is going to crumble. You guys need to know your needs, not so much your wants. And I shared this example before. Sky and I both had lists. My list one. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, babe. But her, her list, what she really desired, one was a Christian. Okay, she got that. That was a need. But her other desires or wants at the top of her list were a Korean guy, musically talented, very creative. Okay, none of those three. All right, and it wasn't that God didn't like her. It was that God loves her that as she married me, she realized, wow, I'm meeting needs that she didn't even know that she possessed, that she had. And so she's truly satisfied. She's not getting frustrated with me that I'm not up here leading worship. Okay, she doesn't do that. I know it would really you know, bless her if I did that, but it's not something that she needs. She is satisfied. Now, for me, I, I went through a long period of God really searching my heart. Because I think I shared with you guys before, my heart going into marriage was just, God, give me whoever I'm supposed to marry. I had no expectation. I didn't think I'd be satisfied. And God had to drill that out of me. And God began to teach me who I am and what I really need. You see, I shared with you guys, I'm very introverted. So guess what? You put me with a very extroverted person who likes to talk a lot. I'm good to go for about an hour. And then it's, it's time to go, okay? We're ending small group. I'm out of here, all right? I, I got to get away. Now, imagine if I married someone who is very extroverted. Oh, what type of torture I'd be living in, okay? And then think about her, you know, if, if she was extrovert and I'm all like, you know, how was your day? Oh, I was good. Tell me more, you know, like, <laughs> I would be so drained, you guys got to think about so many people are fixated on, oh, I like this person because they're cute. Oh, man, when people come up to me and say, I'm interested in this person, I'm like, why? Oh, that person's cute. I'm like, well, good luck with that in 20 years. I mean, did you know people age? You know, if that's your basis of being attracted to someone, you don't have a clue. I'm going to be honest, and I don't think this will offend Sky at all, but I was never initially attracted to her because of her looks. She's one of the most beautiful women in the world. I think you guys would agree with that. But my heart was never open to her because of her looks. I had known her for six years, six and a half years before I started to like her. It was when I realized that she was meeting all the different needs inside of me that I had on that list, needs for joy, needs for someone who could accept me for who I am. And guys, you don't know fully who I am. I'm a very interesting person, okay? <laughs> but she knew this side of me, and she would even bring it out of me when we were just friends. And I never thought that we would be together because of our past and, and the way that we were. But from that, I felt so comfortable with her, and that was crucial for me. She's also not extremely extro extroverted, okay? She's 
very similar to me in personality. So we understand each other. And there's so many different aspects about her. She's very discerning. That was another need that I had, okay, as, as a man of God and as just walking with the Lord. I needed that. And so when I got to know her more, after she came out here again, you know, years later, uh, and, and we just were hanging out, I started to realize, wow, this is really the type of person that, that blesses me, that I would like to live my life with. And so that's what attracts me to her far more than just her looks. And so I can guarantee you, 40 years from now, I will be just as attracted to her as I am right now. You see what type of love I have for her? It's not based on looks. It's based on who she is and how God designed her to meet needs within me. And God designed me to meet needs within her. Guys, looks are overrated. They're very overrated. Uh, just, just wait 10 years, okay? I mean, it's overrated. You guys need to move that down way low on your list. Because what you'll find is when someone, you realize, wow, these, this person really is meeting the needs of my soul. Remember, I'm talking about soul. You need a soul mate. Meets the needs of my soul. My mind is energized when I'm with this person. I feel alive when I'm with this person. I don't feel like I want to run away or close my ears, but rather I really enjoy being with this person. My soul is drawn to this person. Okay? That's the type of person you're going to find just attraction rising up. They might not be that size and shape that, that you wanted. I never thought that I would marry someone sky size. Okay? <laughs> It was funny, you know, when we first introduced ourselves and people still get a kick out of it. I'm 6'1". She's, you know, a little shorter. <laughs> she's half my weight. I, I never thought that, that I would marry someone like that. But you know what? On my list, that wasn't at the top. When I was younger, that stupid stuff was, okay? But, but I realized that that wasn't right. And I began to let go of those things. And I'm so blessed. And I want you guys to be blessed as well. And I want it when you guys come to me or to Pastor Christian and you say, I'm interested in someone and I ask why, that you'll give me reasons that make sense. (laughs) I'm really drawn to this person because I feel more alive around them. We connect in these areas. Her personality in this way really blesses me. And I feel that my personality also matches with her in these ways. Uh, When we talk, it just flows. Okay, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. And so you guys need to figure out who you are. You need to figure out the needs of your soul. Figure out yourself first. Start to get to know yourself. When you hang out with people, just take some mental notes. Whether it's guy or girl, I don't care about the gender, but just take mental notes of the type of people that you really feel energized around that you really feel secure around. And suddenly, God will start to remove different people that you thought you were attracted to and start to remove them out of the radar and start opening your eyes to people that you never thought that you would ask out, never thought that you would be with, but then you realize, wow, this person was meant for me. This person is right. I want our marriages, people to be so in love with each other, not just today, not just in five years, but 50 years from now every marriage, for them to be so in love with one another. Love is supposed to grow, not age. It's supposed to grow. 
All right. So in conclusion, I want to encourage you, church, to eat healthy, to eat well. Don't starve yourself. Don't eat pizza school every day. Get some fruit. I want to encourage you guys to take care of your bodies and learn to enjoy yourselves. Learn to enjoy yourselves. If you can't enjoy yourself, how can you expect to have joy with your spouse day in, day out? It's one thing to have fun with someone once a month, but when you're with that person every single day, you need to learn how to enjoy yourselves, how to have fun. Okay, I want to encourage you guys to take time for a hobby, for something you enjoy. Don't let this overtake your life. I'm not saying just focus on this, but let there be some time in your week where you can escape, where you can enjoy this. I want to encourage you guys to find fellowship, people you can talk to about matters just beyond just the church and your work. Find people that you can connect to and continue to run hard after the Lord. Continue to grow in your spirit, man. Third John chapter one, verse two says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Let me close this in prayer. God, I thank you so much for this family, God. This is just such a wonderful group that is here today, Lord. And I thank you so much for just the honor to be able to call the people here, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, God, it is my prayer that you will prosper every one of them, Lord. That your shalom, Lord, will come upon them, God, and give them peace in their body, in their soul, in their spirit. That every single person in this house will be completely whole. That they will walk, Lord, in your joy. They will walk in your blessing. They will walk in the way you created them to be. And I thank you, Lord, that you delight in them. You delight in how they are each unique. You delight in the different things, Lord God, that they're interested in. The different things, Lord God, that just bring life into their bodies, God. And I just pray, release those things into their lives. Show just how much you care to them, Lord. And may you just continue to release revelation of your love every day to your people. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.